This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Surrender is the nothing personal word of the day. Welcome. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. And we're talking about surrender because that's what everybody is talking about with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because word leaked out that they were waving all their players. Questions were coming in on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Coke and I are on the phone discussing it. I want to explain to you exactly what happened. And I never miss an opportunity to get on the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. You know how I feel about what they do, how they do it, and where we are with Otani, with generally having the two of the five best players and playing zero playoff games, no wins for Trout. You know if you're a nothing personal fan. But let me help you be smarter when you're talking to people today about this issue. This is normal. It may not be outstanding from a baseball operation standpoint that the Angels decided to go for it at the trade deadline. It may not have been a good move that they made trades and added and traded away their number two and three ranked prospect. They brought in a starter, they brought in a reliever, they brought in bats trying to maybe find a way to get into the playoffs. And since then, they can't win. They're done. Standard operating procedure is to add to your team if you think you have a chance and to do it in advance, early, May, June. And if you're on the fringe and the team doesn't play well, your baseball people know, because your business people tell them, that you're then gonna move those players again. So it would not be entirely out of the question to trade for a bullpen arm in June by the trade deadline of July 31st, your team is not playing well enough and you trade that pitcher again. The rules in baseball used to include something called the August 31st trade waiver deadline. That doesn't exist anymore, but here's what it used to mean. And for those of you who are 30 and older, maybe even younger, you will remember when there are players who have changed hands late in August, prior to August 31st. Here's what it means. The trade deadline, let's say is July 31st. Then you have one month. In that month, you sit with your baseball people and you have an organized way in which every one of your players is put on something called trade waivers. Trade waivers mean that a team can claim that player and get that player for no compensation other than its existing contract, not it, his existing contract. So Albert Pujols has five years left 
at $25 million a year and he's not worth it. The Angels would put him on trade waivers and no one would claim him. Every team would have a chance to, but no one would. Because if you claim him, then the team who put him on waivers has two choices. They can pull him back, which means they get to keep the player or let him go. In which case he goes to the team which claimed him for no return compensation other than that contract is no longer on your books. It's on the books of the team that claimed him. No team would claim a player who is being overpaid on a long-term deal because the team that put him on waivers would say, oh my God, it's a Christmas miracle. Someone claimed our crappy contract. See you later. We'll deal with the PR, but we are getting all of this money off the books. When you have a contract that people say is not marked to market, pick any contract right now. Chris Davis of the Orioles. Not bad example because he's already off the team. People think Giancarlo Stanton's overpaid. He's the first one that comes to my mind. I'm still going to stand by that he's not, but let's say he is. If the Yankees would put him on waivers and someone claimed him, they would get Stanton. They would have to pay him the rest of the money for the next four years, and the Yankees would be rid of the contract. What used to happen is teams would strategically put a claim in on a player so that the team they're competing with would not be able to get the player. And the order in which you get to claim a player is based on team record. The worse you are, the easier it is to claim a player. The A's have a chance to claim every player on waivers this year. And in past years, the team with the worst record would also have the ability to claim anyone on these trade waivers. But when there was the second trade deadline back then, which was August 31st, you needed to put a player through trade waivers, have him clear, and then he is eligible to be traded to any team. If a team claims a player on what was called trade waivers, that is the only team that could get that player, either through a trade where you would call the team and say, you claimed our player, we're gonna pull him back but if you want him, we can trade him to you and only you. Or you let the player go to the team for nothing. How do you think Cody Ross got an MVP in the, in the NLCS that year? We put him on trade waivers and just, he was claimed by the Giants and we let him go. Larry Bear, the president of the Giants called me and said, what the hell are you doing? We were just doing it because we didn't want the Dodgers to get him. We thought you'd pull him back. And we said, ah, we'll save the million bucks that we own for the rest of the year. See you later. Called Cody in. We had a hug. We had a laugh. Good luck. See you later. And by the way, his life got changed and made by going to the Giants that particular year as he had that great playoff performance. So that's the concept of the August 31st trade waiver deadline. Then baseball decided, hey, we're going to change that. There are no trades that you can do after the actual trade deadline of July 31st. This year it was August 1st. And their thought process was, we want to make that trade deadline exciting. We want that to be the only time that these trades can be made so we can own the day, own the news cycle. And it can be one of those things where it is huge news what goes on. People are gonna have breaking news and there'll be five hour content shows analyzing every trade, waiting for the trades to happen, etc. But in return for that excitement, 
all GMs were told, come August 31st, the only players who can be on your playoff roster, because your playoff roster is set from players who are eligible on August 31st. And in order to be eligible, you have to be on the roster, either on the injured list or on the 20, 26 or 40 man roster of a team come August 31st. Those are the only players eligible. So if you acquire a player or there's a play, meaning a player gets released in September, and then you sign him for the prorated minimum, that player can help you in September, but is not eligible to be on your postseason team. So the GMs know this rule, but what they are allowed to do now is put players on regular waivers. They're not called trade waivers anymore. They're called regular waivers and players are put through waivers commonly. One of the misunderstandings that some people have is a player quote unquote is designated for assignment. That is different. When you are designated for assignment, you are removed from the roster you're on and you've got 10 days as the GM of the team to either trade that player anywhere, waive that player, which means put that player through waivers and open him up to be claimed by any other team or just release that player. What's happening now is regular waivers where any team can claim any player who's on waivers. So the Angels, rumor has it, have Lucas Giolito on waivers. That means that any team starting with Oakland and ending with Atlanta, worst record to best record, can click a button where they are putting in a claim on Lucas Giolito. Here's how the waivers work. The claim is awarded to the team with the worst record of all of the claiming teams. So if anyone claims a player at all and Atlanta claims a player, Atlanta will not get a player. Oakland, conversely, will get any player it claims. But what you're getting when you claim a player is you're getting the player and you're getting his contract, whatever his contract is. Lucas Giolito is gonna be a free agent at the end of the year. If a player, so you get that, you get him just for uh, September and then he's a free agent. If a player has a buyout, a, an opt-in, a player option, a two-year deal, a five-year deal, a 10-year deal, whatever the player's contract is, when you get awarded a waiver claim, his contract gets assigned to you. So you are now a party to his contract and responsible for all of the payments under the contract. When you are a team out of the playoffs, of course you put your players on waivers and you say to yourself, wow, it would be amazing if a team would claim this player because then I don't have to pay him for the rest of the season. And why would I pay Lucas Giolito for the rest of the season? Hey, we acquired him, didn't work out. He has a six plus ERA. Our team has lost every game. We suck, we're done. If someone else wants Lucas, great. We can't get anything for him. No more trading after the first trade deadline. You know that, because that's the new rule. But we can at least save the money. We're gonna look bad because we traded away our number two and three prospect and everything else we did, but we can save a couple million dollars and put it toward next year's payroll, put it toward yacht payments, whatever we wanna do. So does what the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, what they did last night, does it mean they're surrendering the season? 
Okay, fine. Happy to have that as the word of the day. But it makes absolute financial sense. And the Angels aren't the only team with players on waivers right now. The Yankees have players on waivers. The Mets have players on waivers. Any team that's out of it has players on waivers who are making any money at all, because why wouldn't you? If someone's willing to take Harrison Bader or Carlos Carrasco, hell yeah. Why wouldn't you? Different, Josh Donaldson of the Yankees, he is off the team. A player like Lucas Giolito, if he's waived and gets through waivers and is not claimed, he will play for the, he'll keep playing for the Angels for the rest of the year. They can still release him if they want, but he can still be an Angel. Josh Donaldson, different category, not going to be a Yankee. They're going to release him. When you release a player, little nugget for you, when you release a player, that player is eligible to sign with any team. It's not the waiver process where the team with the worst record has the first pick or the first choice of claiming and the team with the best record has the last. When you are a released player, you're a free agent. You can sign with anyone. And the beautiful thing about that for a player is that you sign with your new team and that new team only has to pay you the minimum salary in Major League Baseball. The balance of your contract is paid by the team that released you. So if you release a player, let's say Wei Yin Chen, and you've got two years left at $22 million a year, so you owe the player $44 million, the team who signs him only has to pay him 750 grand a year for two years minimum, and you're responsible for the rest. Brilliant for the player who gets released, tough decision for the team that does re releasing of a player who has a long-term deal. You do it because you need the roster spot. You do it because the player is a turd in the clubhouse. You do it because the player's so bad that every time the player takes the ball, you're stopping a young player from getting experience or having an opportunity to play. Myriad reasons, but releasing a player different than having a player pass through waivers. So you're gonna read now, and the reason why you're reading about it really bothers me. You're not supposed to know about this. Waivers are supposed to be done confidentially. Do you think that players for the Angels who were waived or are in the waiver process, you think they wanna have that broadcast? No, the players aren't supposed to know. You don't have to tell a player that he's under the waiver process because when you're in the waiver process, you are still playing for the big league team. Remember what I told you about the trade waiver process back when August 31st was another trade deadline? We never told players when they were going through the process of going through waivers. Cody Ross never knew. He only knew when he was claimed by the Giants. We called him in and said, hey, you're going to the San Francisco Giants. He said, oh, how come, David? I said, well, you know, we saved the money we're paying you. And we gave each other a hug and that was that. So all these players that you're seeing in waivers, it's supposed to be confidential. The union gets notice and the commissioner's office has notice because they're the one who do the claiming process, but it's supposed to be done in confidence. Yet every damn time the union or someone in MLB leaks who's in waivers and then it comes out in the media through the baseball insiders. 
And as a president of a team, it pissed me off every single time because then we got to go deal with the player. The player's reading about it and we have to say, hey, yeah, you're, you're going through waivers right now. So all the talk about Mike Clevenger and Lopez and Clevenger's not on the Angels, of course, but you're getting this list of players. The reason why they did it yesterday is waivers, you have a period before the waiver process is over. Let's say it's a 48 hour period to decide who you're gonna claim. You get notified of all the players on waivers. You have two days to decide who you're gonna claim because there are financial implications. You have to go to your owner, you have to go to your president, go to your CFO, figure out, can we take on payroll? How much will it be? Then you put the claim in, then baseball awards the claim to a team. Then the team decides, are they going to have the player go or not? That's the old trade waiver days. Now, if a player claims Giolito, he's gone. Giolito will be on that team. But all this has to be done by tomorrow because tomorrow's the deadline for postseason rosters. So if you're thinking you're gonna make the playoffs right now, you're only putting a claim in if you can get the player on your roster before the deadline so he's playoff eligible. So that is my explanation of what happened yesterday in baseball. The reason it got so much attention is that the Angels put so many players on waivers, but so do all teams. And the Angels are out of it. Hello? This doesn't mean that Otani's pissed off. He's angry. God, that's two uses. Sorry, Coco. Wipe that one out. Ready? Two, four, 69. It doesn't mean that Otani is angry or upset that all these players are on waivers or that they may be off the team or that the team is quote unquote surrendering or waving the white flag. No, Otani understands the business of baseball. Every player in that clubhouse knows. You think that the Yankees are in that clubhouse saying, how could Brian Cashman put Harrison Bader on waivers? How could he not? Surrender was the nothing personal word of the day. You know, I'm gonna give you a wait to see right now. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. We'll revisit it. Two of the players on waivers from the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles are Lopez and Giolito. Lopez is a bullpen arm. Giolito is a starter. They're gonna get claimed. I'll give you a wait to see that Lopez and Giolito will be on a different team starting on the 31st, which means tomorrow. This will be a quick turnaround of a wait to see. And no, I have no inside information because that wouldn't be fair. Okay. Remember we talked about player safety and security in last couple days? And I told you that MLB was gonna have to get involved and have to figure out what they're gonna do to keep people safe. Can't have guns going off inside stadiums. Maybe it's just me, that's my view. Can't have fans touching players during a game or even before or after a game. Call me crazy, just my view. And I'm management, I was management. Now I'm sympathetic to both sides and I treat labor and management equally. I mean, it's not that I do, but I would. Hey, you know, it's funny. Someone emailed me something, Coca. This was not on the rundown, but I have to say it. On davidsampsonpodcast.com. And someone asked a question, and this is not an official, so you want to talk to Samson. But someone asked me about whether I was okay being a shill for owners. 
I appreciate that you reached out. I more appreciate that you bought a trucker's hat. But I would like to point out the number of owners and people within baseball who listen to nothing personal and are less than happy with the critiques and the things I say and the insights that I give about what's going on truly inside owners' meetings and the rooms where it happened and trying to take the cover off and the mystery off how things work. So for anyone to think that I am so pro-management and anti-union, I guess you're missing the fact that more than 50% of the time, the people in management are annoyed with the things that I'm saying because it's making them look bad, which I say, no, you make yourself look bad. I just happen to point it out. But when I told you that MLB was gonna have to get involved with the security issue, what I also should have mentioned more specifically is, so is the union. The union started to get involved with player safety yesterday. Now that is a completely unfair characterization. And for those of you pro-labor people, you can call me out. The union is always interested in player safety. They are focused on the concussions. They're focused on spider tack and people who are being hit by pitch. They're focused on security in hotels. They're focused on chefs in the kitchen, safety of their intestines. Focused on the size of the seats on an airplane, what time games start and stop, so the safety of their marriages and lives outside of baseball. They've always been interested in those things, no doubt. But when something happens like the last couple of days with the shooting inside the ballpark and White Sox, with the issue with Acuna, the union has to show its constituents. Tony Clark, specifically the leader of the union, has to make sure that every member of his union who they vote for Tony to keep his job, make sure that he's out public with a statement saying that we take player safety very seriously. They released a statement, thank God, because if you hadn't released the statement, I wouldn't have known that you took player safety very seriously. So thank you for starting your statement with that. And you also could have started your statement with, the Players Association takes players pay very seriously. You do? The Players Association takes service time manipulation very seriously. Really? Did you know that the Players Association takes pension benefits not very seriously? Oh no, we can't start a statement with that. The Players Association takes player safety very seriously. Phew! Who knew? Following security incidents, including those on the field, our director of security is in immediate contact with MLB security and local authorities where appropriate. This is a great statement so far. The director of security for the MLBPA is always in touch with people who are in security with MLB. They're always talking. Security people, they all talk to each other. You're a team security guy, you're a team security guy. They're together, whether they're retired police or whatever they are, they're talking. But so far, this is an important statement. In addition, 
to our security experts, our PA player services staff is in daily contact with players, providing updates and any relevant information. Well, we are really getting some information from this statement, aren't we? The Major League Baseball Players Association released a statement letting them know, so far, you've learned three things. One, they take player safety very seriously. Value added, for sure. Two, they're in contact. Well, thank heavens we know that. But now a third thing's happening. Updates are being provided. I mean, this is, it's like a Mensa convention, whoever wrote this statement. While the details of the recent incidences in Chicago and Denver are still under investigation, we will be reviewing the club and stadium protocols currently in place as we do throughout every season to mitigate the possibility of similar future incidents. They fell victim to a very common mistake that people make when doing statements. When something happens, what you say is, hey, we've got a system in place to make sure that this doesn't happen. And now we're gonna have a communication to make sure that the systems we had in place will make it so that this doesn't happen again. Uh-oh, that means the system we had in place to make sure this doesn't happen didn't actually work. So we have to change the system we had in place to put a new system in place so we can again say that the system we have in place is to make sure that this doesn't happen. And then if it happens again, obviously that system, as well as the prior system, are both systematically incorrect, thereby making a new system entirely necessary. We better release a statement saying that. Very, very important. Why put between the commas as we do throughout every season? They said we will review the club and stadium protocols as we do throughout every season. That means they just reviewed the protocols that existed in Chicago. And I guess they did not review the belly fat protocol. Don't accuse me of being overly critical. Just read the statement and say to yourself, what, why? What are people gonna learn from the statement? How will it further our agenda and our ability to educate those who we need to understand certain things about what we're doing in order to make our position better. That's when you do a statement. That is when you do a leak. You do it to further your agenda and what you're doing. What, Tony Clark's getting reelected because he's gonna review and update and communicate? All right, we come back. We are going to review a documentary I watched, which is getting quite a bit of attention. And then we're gonna answer a question that you had on davidsampsonpodcast.com. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. Coca and I are appreciative of your time. We do not take it for granted. Go to davidsampsonpodcast.com. Check out the merch. Enjoy it. Listen to all the shows. Watch the shows. Please hit subscribe on YouTube. I know you can still watch it without subscribing. 
and more people watch it than subscribe, but please hit subscribe. And you, if you're listening to this, then keep listening. And you can watch too. I went with a, um, I don't know if anyone's noticing this, Coca, but if you're watching, I do. this shirt was an out of rotation shirt. And I re-entered into the rotation for no particular reason, except it was in a place where I did not have it as part of the nothing personal rotation. It was part of the going out rotation, but now I've moved it into the nothing personal rotation. And here it is. BS, hi. Two words that when you keep them separate, hey, I'm all in for a bit of BS. Everyone likes BS. You don't want to step in it, but you don't mind wallowing in it. Hi, that's all about fun, laughing, and Entenmann's cookies. There's a new documentary called BS High. I shouldn't have said Entenmann, they're not a sponsor. BS and then high as in cookies. Regular, run-of-the-mill, unbranded cookies. However, if you're out there, Entenmann's, I'm a big fan. Roy Johnson, Coach Roy. BS High is a documentary about a school called Bishop Sycamore. You may not have heard of Bishop Sycamore, but they were on ESPN. They played a game against IMG, a top-ranked high school team. Bishop Sycamore was a high school team. They got their asses kicked. It was dangerous and embarrassing. It was an outrage. And it turns out that Bishop Sycamore is neither high nor a school. Roy Johnson, the supposed coach who's neither a coach nor supposed, he's an actual con man, con artist, criminal, disgrace. He took advantage of kids, made them promises that he was gonna help them get to a different place, whether it's college or recognized as a football player, took a bunch of downtrodden kids who felt they had nowhere to go, basically exploited them for his benefit, committed all sorts of fraud, is being sued by everybody left, right, and center. He's basically a con artist who got caught. And for whatever reason, a documentary was made about him. And then for whatever reason, he loves the fact the documentary was made about him because he gets screen time. I felt dirty watching it. Let me watch it on behalf of all of you and here's why. I don't want Max or Netflix or Amazon or any streaming service who's in the middle of trying to get as much content as they can. Football content, all the better. Any content, they want it. And the more we watch, the more apt they are to say, hey, whether you're pity watching or not, you're watching. Whether you're hate watching or not, you're watching. So we're gonna keep giving you the stuff that you watch. I don't wanna give anybody any attention from BS High, and I feel for the filmmakers, I do, because it's not their fault. It's a fascinating subject. It's a fascinating thing that took place. Imagine if I knew anyone who was working at ESPN or ever worked at ESPN who could explain what role ESPN plays in choosing of opponents, if any, whether there's any culpability, whether there's any regret over having Bishop Sycamore High endanger their students on the field with IMG, but, I have no connections with anyone in ESPN. So if you all have any ideas of anyone I could speak to, let me know. And I'm always happy to reach out if you have their cell number. BS High, you now have all the information you need. All right, Coca, play the music, please. 
You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter. I can't say that anymore. Ready? 12, 18, 69. Get in my ex. I can't. I'm not doing it. I changed my mind. Get in my Twitter, at David P. Sampson. It's the Triborough, for Christ's sake. Sorry, RFK. Ask a question. Get, you can email me, davidsampsonpodcast.com as well. With the recent flurry of MLB owners threatening to move, are we seeing a fear that once the two expansion cities are named, they will lose all leverage against their own cities to extract public money as potential relocation cities big enough for MLB teams? Will that leverage have evaporated? By the way, thank you for supporting the Oakland fans over the past few months. Well, you're welcome. But I don't want to say that I've been supporting the Oakland fans. I would say that I am trying to help explain to Oakland fans what's happening. I do believe the team should stay in Oakland, and I believe that's what baseball has always wanted. And I believe that John Fisher's making that damn difficult. But your question has made the show because prior to thanking me for supporting the Oakland fans, you asked about leverage, and I like leverage. Leverage may be my favorite position because it enables you to get more than you would get otherwise in any situation. From choosing where you're having dinner with your significant other to choosing what trip or what you're doing personally, professionally, who you're working with, what you're doing, what assignments you're doing, whether or not you get to travel or not travel, do you wanna travel? Life is leverage. That is a unfortunate lesson that is wrapped in cynicism, some of you may seem, to think, and the reason you will think that, and the reason that you will criticize that sentence, that life is leverage, is that you often find yourself without leverage. So you don't wanna believe that leverage is what matters. And to that I say to you, you all have leverage in one way or another. Some of you are better at identifying what that leverage is and then exploiting the leverage. Leverage is no good without exploitation. So what you're referring to in the question is the leverage of getting public money from where you are. Let's say you're trying to get a stadium in Miami. You're trying to get public money in Miami and you're using moving as leverage and you're going to visit San Antonio and Portland and Vegas as a way to gain leverage in getting more money from Miami. Let's just say that there's a team in San Antonio and Portland and Vegas. What would we use for leverage? Dubuque? Kalamazoo? Do you get what I'm saying? Anaheim? Doesn't matter. There will never be an absence of cities without a Major League Baseball team. There are 30 Major League Baseball teams. There are AAA teams that all are in cities that would prefer to be Major League cities, whether they say so or not. Until expansion gets to 60, which it never will, there's always gonna be leverage. And by the way, should leverage cease to exist because something would happen to wipe every location out of the United States other than 
30 places where there are major league baseball teams or 32 after expansion. And it would be like a this is us scenario. That's not the right name, Coca. Um, the Last of Us, where you've got pockets of people after a outbreak of something. If there were only 30 communities in the entire country and they all had baseball teams, I get leverage for public financing by talking about Europe, Asia, Antarctica, don't care. Folding the team, going from 32 teams to 31 teams, having baseball take over the team, threatening to make sure that we will do nothing in the community. There are all sorts of ways that people will continue to get leverage over the public entity. And just a little nugget for you. All businesses are trying to get leverage over the public. It just doesn't make the paper. Anytime a company, let's say Amazon, say what you want about Amazon, but let's just say that Amazon is looking to build a big factory, a big distribution center, and they're narrowing it down to four different locations. Do you know why they narrowed it down to four different locations? So they could negotiate with the four different municipalities to get the biggest tax break and the biggest construction incentives to make it as cheap as possible to do what they want to do, which is to build a distribution center. You just may not read about it. Go lower, the corner grocery store. Corner grocery stores sometimes have to move. And the reason they have to move is because Whole Foods came in next door. It's like a local bookstore when all of a sudden Barnes and Noble comes in. Sometimes your leverage over your landlord is zero because they say, we want you to leave. We have a chance to release your space for more money than your lease. So if you want to break your lease, go ahead. Wait, you want to renegotiate your lease for cheaper? No, that's not the market. We don't care if you're here or if you're not. Knowing what your leverage is, when you are the only bookstore and there's no internet, no Amazon, and you're in a very small town with no paving or no traffic lights, and your business is fantastic for whatever reason, let's think of in Schitt's Creek, the restaurant where they eat. It's the only restaurant in Schitt's Creek. I like their chances. So my answer is, there is no fear that leverage will be lost ever by teams in Major League Baseball. But thank you for asking and for being worried about it. We're hot right now. Nothing personal pick of the day. 120 and 116. I'm sorry, Brewers and people in Milwaukee, but we had the Cubs over the Brewers. 120 and 116. I wonder whether people were at Jack's American Pub watching the Brewers-Cubs game. There is a very small section of this audience. I think it was, uh, what are we at? What was the last reading? Like 4%? Wisconsin people. I love, by the way, that's not a small number, but thank you. Something's going on in Wisconsin that makes me smile. And I'll get to it as soon as I give you the pick of the day. The pick of the day is we are taking Valdez and the Astros over the Red Sox. That's one of the big series taking place. Did you see on a side note, Coca, Alex Cobb of the Giants 
was pitching a no-hitter. That's when you get 27 outs and don't give up a hit. Not a perfect game, but a no-hitter. And then with two outs in the ninth inning, one out away from a no-hitter and a double over the outfielder's head, who if the outfielder had been playing deeper, but there's no reason to do it, would have caught it. The reason why the outfield's not playing deeper is when there's a no-hitter and you're winning the game comfortably, you actually have the outfielders play in because you don't want a duck fart. You don't want a bloop single to break up the no-hitter. So you actually tell your defense, hey, take two steps in. Oh, hit it over my head. Damn it. It happens. It's like the Yankees bringing in the infield in 2001 and then a little boop for a World Series win. It happens. So Alex Cobb lost his no-hitter with two outs in the ninth and lost his shutout and then has to say, hey, that was fun. We almost had it. That's not how players really think when they lose a no-hitter with two outs in the ninth. They are despondo. Valdez and the Astros over the Red Sox. Let's get back to Milwaukee, please. Jack's American Pub is a watering hole in Milwaukee that went public yesterday with a new promotion that they're doing for the upcoming season. The promotion is that it's a obviously a Packers bar because that's who lives in Milwaukee. They're all Packers fans. If you go to Jack's American Pub and watch the Jets play with Aaron Rodgers, who has gone from hero to villain, they hate him now. See you later, done. If you go watch a Jets game and drink and be merry and stay there the entire game and get there 15 minutes before the game starts, don't leave, and the Jets lose, guess what? All your drinks are free from the entire time you were there. And if you've been to Milwaukee and been to a drinking establishment, you would know that there's quite a bit of beer that gets drunk during the course of a game. What they said is no top shelf liquor. Oh, no problem. They said no food, no problem. We're happy to pay for the cottage curds. I think I screwed that up, Coca. What's the famous food in Milwaukee? Everything's cheese related, but it's something curds. I just can't think of what it is. What a brilliant move by Jack's American Pub because people will now go there to watch football who otherwise may have stayed at home and not gone out. Except one of the rules is, in addition to Aaron Rodgers has to be starting the game, in addition to that, you have to get there 15 minutes early, in addition to you have to stay the whole game, in addition to no food or top shelf liquor, guess what? The last proviso, it's only valid if the Jets and Packers are not playing at the same time. Outstanding catch by the lawyers, or by the owner of Jack's American Pub. Because when the Packers are playing, everyone's there watching the Packers. Why would you give out free drinks if Aaron Rodgers loses when the TVs are gonna be on the Packers game and no one's coming there for the Jets game, they're coming there for the Packers game. Love that. 12 different weeks during this upcoming season, there will be conflicts, meaning that no conflicts, the Jets will have a different starting time than the Packers. So there are 12 opportunities for people in Milwaukee or people who visit, tourists, brewers, anybody, to go to Jack's American Pub. And this is not a paid promotion. This to me is brilliant marketing. This is like Mattress Mac, but not on steroids, like Baby Mac. If you don't know who Mattress Mac is, then you're not paying attention. He's the one who gambles all that money 
as hedging because if the Astros or other teams do certain things, he'll give you your money back on mattresses that you buy during a certain period of time. So to get that money, he bets on it to happen. So it's a hedge. Totally get that. It's outstanding. There's no hedging here. This is having people come to your pub and drink and eat for a game where normally it wouldn't be as crowded. And that's why I love that. So kudos to you, Jack's American Pub, and I hope that everyone's there to watch Aaron Rodgers lose every single game. Although you're probably rooting for him to win every game now because you're gonna have people there staying the whole game drinking and then not having to give them free drinks. So you're secretly rooting for Aaron Rodgers when everybody else in Milwaukee and elsewhere is rooting against Aaron Rodgers other than Stu Gatz and the rest of the two score of Jets fans. I love that. Coco, did you see what I'm wearing today? In addition to the shirt, can I just stand up? I'm standing up in the middle of the show. If you're watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, these are the new Nothing Personal gym shorts. Look at these. Nothing Personal gym shorts. Can you see it on camera? The logo? No? Trust me, they're there. How do you even show that? There they are. Yes, I do buy the merchandise. I don't even get a code. I do not get a code. All of that said, that's the show for today. I'm done till tomorrow, Coca. It's just business. This is nothing personal.